Hello, I am Lucia Giftopoulou and I am joined today by Kari Kroninsky, a professor of sustainable finance at Yale and Brown University. And we're going to talk about whether the investment world can help solve climate change. Are asset managers doing enough? Because we hear a lot from them. Many of them are just doing a song and dance about ESG, shareholder engagement. But is that enough? Is what they're doing anywhere near enough? It's not anywhere near enough. We're we're sort of in the early innings of a baseball game or the the first few minutes of a football match, uh, just for a sports analogy. Uh, When when you look at what, what, say, the UN estimates is needed to solve not only the climate crisis, but other uh, social issues, we're something like three times underinvested, according to reports out of, say, Stanford or the Rocky Mountain Institute, versus what would actually be required to enable a real energy transition. Uh, And so fund managers are not doing nearly enough. There is more interest and more activity, but we're still in these early innings of the game. So what what is it that they, they should be doing? Because right now, what they're doing is they're trying to divest from companies who do not, um, you know, listen to them when they say you need you, you have some risk issues that you have to deal with, or they would just not invest in them to begin with. But what more is there that they could be doing? Yeah, I, I get very upset about the divestment movement, actually. And I have been for a long time because it, it doesn't solve the climate problem. The, these companies don't disappear if if a handful of people decide not to own those companies. Uh, I, it, for me, it's been an enormous waste of time and energy and resources and, and young people's energy and time and resources who are concerned about climate change because nothing has actually changed ExxonMobil, BP. These companies really haven't changed for all of the, as you say, kind of arm arm waving about climate change that fund managers do. Uh, and so what we really need to do is to envision the outcomes we're seeking, first and foremost. We've been talking about this for years at events we've hosted at Yale and elsewhere. We actually hosted an event in China in 2019 with the exact same theme. We need to envision the outcomes that we need to help achieve, understand what the each what each of us can do about that, uh, especially fund managers and governments, uh, but also the average person. And, and that outcome is going to take a, an all-in effort in, every, in many different ways to, uh, to get us to where we need to be. You know, more, more than anything, we need an energy transition. And we have to, we have to be cognizant also of what's not working. That divestment will not solve the climate challenge. Fund managers just saying they're active and nothing changes on the ground is not helping either. It might be even detrimental. It might be better for a fund manager to completely ignore the subject rather than pretend. What would, ideally, what should, what would the best fund managers be doing to practically help with a climate emergency? Absolutely. So at the end of the day, there's only so much an investor can do. And you basically have financial institutions and you have fund managers and a bank, uh, that's one set of things that that can be that can be done. Participating in financing the right projects, start helping start and and foster the right new innovations. Uh, asset managers, it's really about your strategy, 
working with governments to advocate for the right policy and educating the, the average person and your clients about what they need to do differently to help. So uh, we actually developed an open source to methodology on this for uh, measuring uh, impact and reporting on impact as fund managers. Uh, and basically at the end of the day, you can, you can change your investment strategy, you can advocate for the right policy, and you can educate your clients. And uh, you can engage with companies as well. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that, but you have to be cognizant of what's actually effective or potentially effective as opposed to just having a conversation for its sake. Realistically, is this something that we can expect to happen in, in the next you know, few years because we don't have an awful lot of time uh, to save the planet? Well, this is where Asia is so important to me. And it's why I've my own efforts have increasingly moved to countries like China and the rest of Asia. And Asia is something like half of the world's economy, has over half of the world's people. And when you just look at climate change, China uses half of the world's coal. Countries like Indonesia and Malaysia don't have the economics to move rapidly away from coal. So if we're being serious about climate change, the first thing we have to do is not have solely Western conversations about the subject. For example, thinking about what the UK might do. The UK is, a, is in the margin of error of climate change, let's be honest. We have, to be, we have to be globally holistic about what we're trying to achieve. And if Asia doesn't uh, successfully transition, India, uh, every country, every major country in Asia needs to be on the right path for this to work. And so we need to have these country by country roadmaps of what needs to be achieved. There are organizations trying to make better things happen in countries like India, scaling up solar, for example, uh, helping people uh, get access to energy is still an issue in India as well. So th these, these issues are very complex. Uh, another example would be this idea that we're going to create 500 million plus uh, electric vehicles. You know, how are we going to actually do that at scale? Where, where are the resources going to come from? Uh, you know, what environmental damage will that cause? And so we have to be very cognizant about what these transitions look like, all the complexity, the complexities, the effect on people's lives, uh, and, and move in a, in a way that takes into account all of these dimensions. And we're not doing nearly enough uh, as of now. We're, we're just getting started. Uh, and for me, the biggest missing piece is that the average person is left behind and doesn't understand what it is that they need to do. Uh, people are two thirds of the global footprint. Uh, there's a lot of pushback on this idea of the carbon footprint of the average person. Well, if, if that's two thirds of the global footprint, people and their choices. And so not, not engage, you know, the climate, uh, the climate community not engaging with the average person on what they need to do for me is an enormous mistake. However, there is some mobility because we see the um, the rise of of ESG and sustainable investment, and how you know younger generations and even even some older people are pushing asset managers towards that direction. And one of the concerns is climate change. I guess then the question becomes. Is there money really being used to finance projects that will help solve uh, climate change and and all the other concerns that that these generations have? Because that in the last year year and a half we've seen 
an explosion of interest in ESG strategies and in the UK alone billion and billions and billions just uh, going into into active and passive products but is this money actually used towards saving the planet yeah that's a great question uh, I, I did an I've, I've been doing analysis of the uh, financial system for a while uh, recently it, it appeared to me that two-thirds of global financial assets are managed by people 60 years old and, and above two-thirds <laughs> uh, that's for me a shocking uh, figure uh, I, I spend a lot of time with young people teaching at universities uh, at Yale and Brown and around the world actually increasingly uh, one of my theories of change is helping Asia with its transition. Another is getting young people in places of influence, agitating for change on the inside. The young people are extremely positive that I work with. I, I'm very fortunate to uh, interact with some of the brightest young people at universities like Yale and Brown and elsewhere. They're all extremely positive. Uh, they're not negative about climate change. They're not brooding, the people I run into anyway. They're just getting on with it and trying to, to help make a positive difference. For example, I helped start a newsletter last year called Climate Tech VC. You know, venture capital increasingly is going towards startups uh, doing new things, say the early days Tesla and Beyond Meat companies that have been extremely financially successful. There's a lot of energy and activity in venture capital now that wasn't there even two years ago. So absolutely, there's a lot of interest in ESG. It's happening across asset class. Private equity firms are trying to write tickets big enough to participate in this transition. So things are moving, but we just they're not moving fast enough. Uh, but at the same time, the young people are really uh, just, just desperate to help. And ESG has become this acronym soup for anything that, uh, that you know, qualifies as uh, quote-unquote external uh, but actually, it's becoming business as usual. That's where we need to end up, that ESG isn't like this other thing. It's actually the financial system itself. And we do have a long way to go to make that transition. And if we gave young people, especially bright young women, more power and more uh, decision-making time, I think that would help. How long is the road to change? <laughs> the road to change is, is longer than it needs to be. <laughs> Are you yourself... Uh positive like your students i'm a foolish optimist most of the time that's what gets me by uh, i think when you look at what's needed from say the ipcc reports you know we're in the energy studies program at yale uh, when you when you're sort of super realistic about what what needs to happen yes we just kind of need to get on with it and we really need to be practical about this we have to stop sort of doing all the finger pointing and the arm waving about climate change. I, I get really sick and tired of it, frankly, because, um, you know, there's a song and dance performed by fund managers. There's also a song and dance performed by activists who are, you know, either marching in the streets about something uh, and not really posing a solution that the average person can rally around. For me, for me, when the average person country by country can see what the transition will look like and how they can participate and not have their families suffer because of the transition so we don't get the the julia jean movement in france for example that then will we then will have made the important progress that we seek you know i i, I don't want there to be a, a battle between climate activists and the average person you know, we, we need to get everyone on board or at least the majority of people on board 
with what's required. And that's going to take the average person, the average investor, not only wanting that change, but actually being given the opportunity to participate meaningly, uh, excuse me, meaningfully in, in an actual transition that will make a meaningful difference. So, yeah, I like you, I'm disturbed by fund managers who are just saying, oh, just, just give us your money and we'll take care of it because that's not happening. And so we have to be kind of realistic about that. Uh, we, have, we need fund managers to kind of not overpromise, underdeliver, because the danger is that ESG becomes an elixir. We need to move out of, out of this elixir era that we are in or we've been in and get to a situation where people are actually contributing to positive change and can see how that contribution is happening and not just be told, trust us, we've got it. Give us your money on ESG and we'll take care of it for you. That's just not working and it's not valid. So if you could give fund managers, asset managers in general, you know, one valid piece of advice about how to handle this money, what would that be? So there, there are seven different strategies that investors are using or can use when it comes to climate change and other environmental and social issues. So the first thing to say is ESG is not investing. ESG are issues environmental issues, social issues, how companies are governed, and sometimes investing can help. So we have to be really honest and serious about that. Just what, which of these seven strategies will actually allow for positive change to occur? Will negative screening help ch solve climate change? I would say no, actually. And that's where most of the money in ESG goes to, just, just negative screening. So the history of this field, like most fields, the 1.0 of, of, of uh, renewable energy, for example, didn't really work. It helped move the, the energy transition through the valley of death. And maybe with ESG, the same thing is happening. The 1.0 didn't solve climate change, but it, it helped advance the field towards a place where maybe we can be a bit more mature about what's possible. Positive solutions help. So investing in companies that are that are making a positive difference. So you can kind of get this dual paradigm of positive change and making more money. And, and more and more investors are doing that. Generation, Stewart investors, there are a series of investors that are getting more assets because they actually can help investors experience this dual paradigm of sustainability and financial outcomes. So that's a key is that keeping the business case in mind is, is essential. You have impact investing, that's fine, but we really need to demonstrate that the impact is occurring. We have thematic approaches. That's mostly banks like Goldman and, and others who are cutting deals to do solar and other projects around the world. We did a report called Invest NYC, showing how you can actually solve the SDGs with finance in that category. Uh, ESG integration is, is the fifth strategy investors are using. The, the danger there is that it becomes this sort of elixir, easy button. Uh, you can't just take an ESG database, press an easy button and expect that that will solve anything. So we, we really need to get to a place where these these outcomes are seen. You know, the, the, the it actual, does seem yeah. though increasingly that this is the case with a lot of new products that we see coming to the market, especially in the past um, year and a half. Uh, yeah, actually, we, we just did an article on this yesterday. Uh, this needs to stop. This, this, this needs to stop. This idea of pressing an ESG easy button on your portfolio, 
that is not solving anything that needs to stop that that's not helping so we we need absolutely laser focused strategies where investment is actually investing in the right companies in across asset class or in the right projects and and the esg easy button approach has to stop it's just not it's not helping it's not enough so so you know one question is if i was blackrock what would i do right world's largest investor i would take a look at what are the most impactful strategies and how can they help with their you know short shortly 10 trillion dollars and and how can every fund manager actually uh, achieve to an ideal across strategy advocacy uh, engagement and uh, especially with your clients to make better choices and and you know when you're blackrock most of your money is passively invested by um, you know in indexes and that's not going to make it that that's not going to make a difference they're getting all the etf allocations at blackrock right they're 80% or whatever it is you know they have to be serious about how their money can be impactful and not just take money because people want to give it to them they actually actually have to encourage the transition themselves and their asset mix needs to reflect what's required from an outcome perspective that's if i were them that's what i would do and that's what i would do if i was any fund manager okay well kari thank you very much 